Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. I am so happy to have Tony Bristol with us today. Nine months ago, Tony was diagnosed with small cell carcinoma, cancer of the esophagus. He likes to say it's easier to give than receive, and we're going to find out what he means by that. Tony, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Yeah, you're so welcome. I'm so uh, humbled and uh, just excited to be with you today and, and uh, share my story. Why don't you take us back, because nine months ago is not a very long time, and, and tell us how did you even find out that you had cancer? Yeah, so um, you know it was it, it was interesting. It, actually, I started feeling something um, about a year ago. Okay. Uh, and uh, but sometimes when you you know when you think you're uh, immortal to a certain extent, you just think it's you know this and that, and you know I just thought I'd put on too much weight, and you know my I, I didn't have enough as as much room as I normally do in my stomach, and I felt a mm. little bit. And so I was just like, I just need to lose some weight, right? And and I'll feel better. Um, so that that was around last June or so. I ended up, uh, you know, getting through the summer. Um, again, just feeling like really full all the time after I would eat. And, Is that uh, the only symptom? Yeah, that was, you know, just some inflammation. And I wasn't that successful during the summer losing any weight. So I just attributed it to that. Uh, come September, um, I started uh, getting these night sweats, and these these the I, I would wake up and my sheets would be completely wet in the morning, and um, like sopping wet. Wow! I, and you're not a middle aged woman going through menopause, so. right? Right, <laughs> exactly. You know, and I was just like, "What's what's happening here?" And we we you know we bought a new mattress at that time that we could like control the temperatures and. And I was cranking it down on low and I was still, you know, sweating at night. And, you know, it was, it, it was one of those things, if you've ever had the flu and that, that night before your flu breaks, mm. um, you know, that fever breaks, you know, you, you, you get those intense sweats and then you're done. Right. Right. And I just thought, well, maybe I'm, I, I caught something and my body just needs to, you know, get rid of it. And, but it kept happening night after night after night after night. And I'm like, wow. Right. So, um, luckily, I, I uh, have an amazing care team, and my my primary care provider just stepped in, and he's like, "Yeah, this isn't right." He ordered up a whole bunch of tests for me, and basically within 24 hours, um, it was identified that I had some masses in my liver, you know, through through a CT scan. He he responded very quickly again, making sure that I you know had some continued tests that, you know, basically within a week's time, I had a biopsy done, um, an endoscopy, uh, because they, they identified that, you know, usually cancer doesn't start in your liver. It's a, it's a secondary source. Yeah. So hunt for where that primary source was. They were able to identify that it was actually in my esophagus. 
um, there wasn't a tumor in my esophagus. It was just a thickening of cancer, mm -hmm. but it had metastasized in three um, locations in my liver, in addition to a couple lymph nodes and um, a couple other spots that they were kind of keeping an eye on with regards to, they found some sensitivity through a PET scan in my uh, uh, sternum and so the, 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 there are some other areas that were of a concern, but they were kind of lower than the areas of my liver, which um, had actually grown quite large and actually have uh, three considerable size tumors in my liver. One, one that's 13 centimeters now, wow. one that's um, 10 centimeters and another one that's five. So my liver is uh, dealing with a lot. Is that what was causing the night sweats? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what's uh, basically thought that was, was the cause. My body has since um, gotten rid of any of the cancerous cells that they can measure through a PET scan in my lymph nodes and anywhere else except for the three spots in my liver and my esophagus. So I guess that's the good news is, is that uh, my body's been um, self-containing as well as it can um, with the different medications that I'm on and the chemo. And I've had several rounds of radiation and different types of radiation treatment. Um, I went overseas for a uh, experimental treatment um, back in, before uh, COVID um, kind of went out of control. Um, I went to Austria for a week for an experimental treatment. Was it an actual clinical trial? No, it wasn't. It was, okay. it was actually having to do with um, biometric energy and, and things on, uh, on that front. Um, and the Austrian government's actually partnering with this, with this individual to actually do some of this work. Um, but I found out about it through some good friends and they were like, you know, we've, we've had friends we've sent and I've gotten rid of this and that. So I was like, you know what, at this point, I'm willing to really try anything, whether it's traditional, non-traditional, you know, diet, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm an open book, but on the other side of things, there's, there's a lot of information out there and it's, yes, there is. <laughs> right. And especially when you have cancer, you have everyone who just wants to contribute to you. Right. And they want the best for you. And they're, they're like, try this and try this diet. And my dad did this and, you know, my sister did this and there's, there's so much information that it's almost like, you know, where I look is I look internal. I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm a religious man and I just say, let God kind of show me kind of where the, where, where the right path is for me because you can get caught up with so much information. And I, I listen a lot internally to that, to that, what I call the God voice inside me. And, um, you know, really just try to make the best decisions that I can. And, you know, sometimes I don't make the best decisions, but <laughs> you know, all in all, I think that, um, you know, we're, we're taught, you know, my belief is we're taught through a higher power. And, and uh, even, even the times that I struggle, I, I, I look at a as, as a blessing. Um, you know, I really do. I, I just think that, you know, uh, for me, God has taught me my frailty and my mortality. Mm. And um, that has been the biggest gift of, uh, of this whole journey so far, is, is to really be present to um, how fortunate I am to have lived past the median lifespan of my type of cancer. 
and to be um, thriving mentally and physically and, uh, you know, able to still contribute. Ah, that's so beautiful. Um, Well, what is the median lifespan so people know what that is? Yeah, so it's eight months. So Mm -hmm. I've uh, I've gone a month beyond that, which is great. Wow. I want to circle back just so people have an understanding because healthcare is so different depending on where you are. Um, Where do you live and what type of insurance did you have, if any? Because it right. seems like you were, you know, tested right away, which is not necessarily typical. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, 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 I must disclose that I actually work for a healthcare system. So, oh, okay. So I'm, I'm, I, you could say I'm a little biased in, <laughs> and especially in my healthcare, because I feel I have amazing healthcare. Um, I work for a, an organization called Providence Okay. Uh, is, uh, you might, you might know them given your, your, uh, upbringing in California, St. Joe, we actually have 55 hospitals and, um, I'm, I'm just blessed to have one that's about five miles away from my house that has an amazing cancer department, really smart oncologists. And, um, you know, I get most of my radiation there. I get all of my infusions there. Again, feel blessed that I have such a great care facility um, near me because I know that not everyone does. And, you know, I, I I hear about stories of people having to drive an hour, two hours to get their cancer care each time. And, and, um, you know, I would do that too, if I, if, if, if I was in the place that I needed to, but I just really feel fortunate that I have a class A hospital in a Swedish hospital. Um, that's, that's five minutes from or five miles from my house and the best care givers that I could ever ask for. Oh, wow. And, and just in case, I know where you live, but so people know. So you live where? In Seattle. In Seattle. Okay. Actually, in a, in, in a town called Issaquah, oh, okay. right outside of Seattle, which is actually where Costco is headquartered. If, if, uh, if, if you've heard of that small little place that people spend a lot of money. But, um, I thought they were in Kirkland or whatever, because that was yeah, their... A lot of people think that. Really? <laughs> but um, but yeah, but their their headquarters are actually in Issaquah. Issaquah, okay. Yeah. Um, well, you're right. I do know uh, uh, Providence very well, and actually, the only hospital in Burbank, California, is um, Providence St. Joseph's Medical Center. Right. And it was that ER where we found out my sister had tumors in her liver and lungs, wow. um, and she did have actually primary liver cancer originated in the liver, and oh, that mm-hmm. hospital didn't treat pediatric patients. And so we went from she's in pain to her pediatrician to the ER, found out that news, and that night they transferred her to Children's Hospital Los Angeles um, because they just simply didn't take 15-year-olds. What was your, as I like to call it, your before and after moment? And, And since I just mentioned it, you know, for me as a caregiver, it was that moment when the ER doctor came in and told us, Mm. that um, my sister had tumors in her liver and lungs. To me, that was the moment because it was, it was the moment that changed everything for us. And right. my sister didn't go back to school. I didn't go back to work. And, mm. and that was essentially day one of her cancer journey. What was that moment for you? You know, it was, uh, it was sad. It was sad for me. Um, okay. It... Uh, you know, I was, I was, I, I'd been healthy my whole life. You know, I, I was 
a regular practitioner of yoga, very, um, uh, you know, present and calm in my way of being. Um, you know, I, I thought I was as low risk and as great in, uh, of in health that I could be in my life, really. Um, I ran a half marathon just a couple years before that. Um, so, you know, you could say, you know, at that time, I, you know, I had just turned 50. And I was like, you know what, I, I just feel like I'm in great shape, you know, and I was doing all this great stuff and volunteering and just like pouring my heart out. And it was just like, yeah, you know, um, you know, it was just tough to deal with a message, especially one that has a, has, has the word terminal in it. Right. And, uh, so it took me, a, you know, took me a couple of weeks to kind of just work through that. Right. Right. Um, you know, the, after it was just like dealing with my mortality, which, you know, we're all terminal, right? We are. Absolutely. <laughs> we don't know. We just don't know when that date is. Right. Yep. You know, and, and it took me, um, like I said, it took me a couple of weeks to really just process it and just understand like, look, I've got some choices here, right? I can either like believe what everyone's saying about what I have, mm-hmm. or I can forge my own path and, and, and I can really decide how the rest of my life's going to look like. And I'm fortunate to know that there's some obvious constraints that doctors say about how much time I have, but ultimately it's my choice. And when I found out that 6% actually get cured, I'm like, I'm going to be one of those 6%, you know? I love it. Choice. I cried a lot in the first six months, you know, I gave myself the, um, I, I, I just gave myself the freedom to, to do that. Right. And, and to be able to wake up and cry in the morning or think about things and just, you know, cry, um, gave me a lot of freedom. What shifted in the last uh, three months is that I've done a lot less crying and a lot more, um, a lot more uh, looking at uh, how I can take my situation and actually give back to others through it. And so it's been less about myself in the last three months. And I've had some struggles in the last like 45 days that, you know, were, were really tough on me um, from a health perspective. Okay. I had a brain hemorrhage about a month ago um, that put me in the hospital for about five days. Um, luckily, they, they, they thought maybe it had metastasized in my brain, and it, but it hadn't. Um, so it was due to some unexplained reason that they still don't know. But um, okay. so I, I looked at that as a blessing. <laughs> even though a brain hemorrhage can take you out too. Right. Right. Um, and, and I also had a very rigorous cancer treatment called the Y90 treatment where they, okay. um, and they, you might be familiar with it. Very familiar Y90, but tell people what it is for those who don't. Yeah. Know. So basically what they do is they, they go in through your femoral artery or some other major artery and they, um, inject a bunch of radioactive beads, um, through your arterial pathways to where the cancer is. And the, the advantage of it is that it, it, um, 
only goes after those places where you have cancer, right? It, it's yeah. very contained, focused cancer treatment. I was like, let's, let's go after all my three big tumors, <laughs> you know, which are, which were in two different lobes too. Sure. <laughs> and, um, and so the, my, my, uh, radio, radio, uh, uh, I forget the medical Inter- uh, interventional radiologist. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I are just call me. I, I knew you would know. Um, but he, he, he is like, his name's Dr. Parikh and he is one of the most, um, loving, generous men that I've met in, you know, through this whole healthcare experience. And he put in my port and um, has done several procedures with me and just the most delightful man that I've met through the whole healthcare experience. Anyway, so he he ended up doing the procedure and they they decided to do everything at the same time. And I told him, I said, I want to, I want to knock this thing out. Don't worry about me. I'll, I'll get through it. Well, it, it was probably the toughest treatment that I've had to go through during my whole nine months. Um, wow. Awful for about seven days after it. And then on the eighth day, I had the hemorrhage. So they can't connect the two together. Okay. Because there's, I mean, there's no way for what he did to actually go up into my brain and that, that connection. But I think from, a, from like what it did to my body, as far as the stress it put on my body, there's, there's a, you know, could be a connection there that, that um, it was a lot um, for me to kind of take on. And then obviously dealing with the hemorrhage was, was a lot after that. So it, it lasts, you know, 45 days um, uh, was, was pretty rough. It's probably the roughest point of my whole treatment. Um, luckily, my body's responded really well to chemo. Um, so I've had a lot of chemo. Okay. Uh, I don't really have many side effects from my chemo, um, which is rare. Um, I do have some neuropathy in my, in my fingers and my toes, but other than that, um, my appetite is great. I don't think I've thrown up once. Um, you can see, I I still have a little hair. I see. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And I find when I do the weekly uh, chemo infusions, I don't lose my hair, but when I do the every three weeks or more potent dosage, my hair falls out. So it's one of those things where, you know, it's just understanding your body and what it can take. And yeah. Uh, you know, like once I, once I made the decision that, you know what, I can do this for the rest of my life. If I have to do chemo for the rest of my life, however long that is 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, I'm going to do it. Um, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, put my body in the best possible shape. Um, I wake up every morning, I get on my little exercise bike and, uh, do 30 minutes you know, and just like sweat it out. And then I go for a walk um, five days a week with some of my best friends and mentally just get my mental space in the right spot. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm just really blessed to have a life that doesn't right now have an end. Oh gosh, that's beautiful. Um, And I I also just want to add that I've also had because it, it, it's not all a rosy experience either. Like I said, the last 45 days were tough, but I've had two spots where I felt my mortality literally two weeks from, from the time that I, like, like I could die in two weeks. Like to be that close and to be that present to how like frail your body is at a certain point and think that 
if if I just wanted to like give in right now, I could be dead in two weeks. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's. So why didn't you give in? Why, why didn't you? Well, I have, well, a lot of reasons, but my family is number one, right? I have three beautiful boys. Oh. And, uh, you know, my, my mom actually died when I was 18 with uh, melanoma. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And just going through that, seeing her kind of wilt to nothing. And, uh, and knowing how awful I felt, right, during that whole experience, I was like, I'm not going to put my boys through that. Oh, leave them without a dad. And so, how, how old are your boys? So I have a nine-year-old. Actually, turns ten tomorrow. <laughs> I have a seventeen-year-old uh, and a fifteen-year-old. Okay. And uh, and you know my my beautiful wife's been with me for twenty years now, and and you know I'm just not ready to leave that. And if God says it's my time, then it's my time. But, you know, I want to see them grow old. I want to see their children. I want to see their weddings. I want to see all that stuff that my mom wasn't able to see for me. (sighs) Well, I'm going to connect you with some resources after after this. So so I want to know why three months ago, you made that shift where you started looking at things differently. Right. What caused that to happen? You know, it's, it's, it was a point where I would actually reached one of those mortality moments um, where it was like, I, I actually wound up in the hospital um, due to some infection. And again, this was pre COVID. I, you know, and then since I've been tested to see if I had any of the antibodies and, and all that, which I don't, I was in just in really bad shape. I'd lost weight. I was down to a weight that I hadn't been since college. Um, so I'm, I, I teeter around 205, 210. And um, I got down to 183. And I was just wow. like not eating a lot. I was just like starting to, my body was just starting to kind of waste away. And, uh, you know, I had this, this instance where like my, um, I had some high fevers and so they admitted me to the hospital for a night and did all these tests and, you know, couldn't, couldn't find anything. So they released me after a day. Um, but at that point it was like, okay, at this point I could, I, I could see myself just continuing to waste away. And, and it's like, I've got to make a decision here. Am I going to um, embrace my situation and make a difference or am I going to, um, let this thing take me. Mm. At, at that point, it was, you know, like I said, it was like, I, I'm not going to let this thing take me. So that, that was kind of the decision about three months ago where I just decided that, you know what, I've been somewhat passive up to now just saying, you know what, I'm just going to love this cancer and, 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 and let it be my friend to, you know what, I'm, I'm actually going to battle this thing now. <laughs> like, like you pissed me off a little bit now. <laughs> And I'm gonna. I'm actually going into a, a attack mode rather than loving mode as much with you, Mister Cancer. <laughs> yeah. 
And I, I just started like putting my head down and doing everything that I could to mm -hmm. um, take this thing on, uh, you know, head on and, and really deciding for myself and getting to that point that it is not going to take me. That was a, a fundamental mind shift for me to, to really get to that point that I will live for the next 30 years in the infusion chair if I have to. And I will go to as many treatment options, radiation, whatever. Give me 10 million beads of Y90 treatment, you know? Like, I'll, I'll do this every few years if I have to, or whatever, right? But I will do whatever it takes to get through this and, and not give up and really um, share that with others and, and be a contribution to others because I don't think you can take this disease on and keep it to yourself. I think that's when it can kill you. I think which personally um, where I'm guided is that I need to be public. I need to share about everything. I need to be 100% authentic. I need to say the good, the bad, the ugly about everything. It's been unfortunate, but I've had, I've, I've, I've had um, a handful of people in my life actually come down with cancer in the last six months. And it's weird how it just starts showing up when you start being public about, you know, about your experience and, and, and what's going on. And, um, you know, there's probably people around me having cancer, you know, for the last 10 years, but yeah. I wasn't listening for it, right? Or they weren't talking about it. And they weren't talking about it. You know, I, I really see that I, I have a gift of um, empathy a gift of contribution to others that um, is, is there to give. That's what the rest of my life is going to be about. Well, Tony, I was going to pray for you anyway, but now I'm going yes. to very selfishly pray for you <laughs> because I would like to somehow work with you in the future because you have uh -huh. that mentality that I truly believe in that um, if even 25% of cancer patients had that sort of energy of getting their story out and just talking about it and demystifying yeah. it. I think, you know, and it's my goal to really create this powerful, sustained movement to ch completely change cancer care in America. And, but most people don't talk about it. Yeah. Very, very few people do and very few people become advocates and very few people share their story. Um, and I love that you, got mad yes I, I love it you know i mean yes. there's five stages of grief and one of yeah. them you know of course is depression and one is anger and and when you get a cancer diagnosis they don't necessarily go in a particular order although acceptance is usually last but the one thing about anger people think it's wrong but when you're in that place with anger one it means you're not in denial and two you get into that fighting mode you know, and that's a good thing. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. And it so, is. Yeah. 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 I think it's. Yeah. There's a, there's another cute story that, that I'll quickly share. Um, one, one of the things that was, that was instrumental in my kind of mindset from the beginning. And, and, and I, I do like to read a little bit and actually I like to listen to audiobooks. I have a hard time reading with, with my focus uh, challenges, but, um, had an opportunity um, right after I got diagnosed about a month after to actually uh, attend a um, 
uh, a work event um, in New York and um, where I had the opportunity to actually meet Magic Johnson. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Okay. I know. And, and, and my partner like totally knew kind of my situation. And like I say, I'm very public about like what's happening in my life. And, and so they arranged it and, you know, it was just a very short meet and greet, but you know, I, I was really inspired by just his health story. Right. I mean, right. diagnosed with, you know, AIDS, right. HIV. And, and at that point in the, in the nineties, you know, people just died. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like you were going to live for, you know, 10, 15 years. It was like you pretty much had a death sentence if you came down with AIDS in the 80s or 90s, right? Yeah. I was just so inspired about his story and and how he kind of addressed an illness that everyone was saying, you know, no way, you know, you don't have a chance, right? Right. Um, To being alive today and being a successful businessman and, and, working through it. It was amazing that one, I had the opportunity to meet him and hear kind of his story um, in a general group, but meet him personally. And, you know, I just, I, I just asked for his advice. I just said, mm. you know, what, you know, what, what would you tell me? This is what I, this is the news I just got. First thing he said is he was like, he's like, Tony, I got you, man. You know, never even met me. Right. But this generous individual who, like, you know, has all this, like, stuff that he does, <laughs> I got you. I got you, you know? And, and then he was like, it's 100% attitude. It's 100% attitude. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to take that. <laughs> I, I'm going to use that, and I'm going to, like, and, and he's right. It is, it is such about the attitude. You know, he showed an immense amount of empathy, um, you know, for my situation, which was, you know, just, a, again, just a welcome space where I was, you know, just knowing that, um, you know, where, where he's been in his life um, gave me some, some, some power and some clarity in the situation. It, it just really gave me um, power in that moment to be like, you know what, that's, that's 100% right. You know, I can make a decision every day about, you know, my attitude with this. You know, I'm either, you know, I, I could feel sorry for myself. I could feel bad for myself. I could feel sad. Um, you know, all those, I, I give myself the ability to feel anyways. I, I don't try to suppress any of my feelings, but it's like, then what? Then can I um, actually bring that? that attitude and, and actually bring it forward and actually, you know, inspire others with that attitude or, or not. And, and again, I really think that the, the way to the other side of, of, of cancer and, and, and other terminal illnesses is having it not be about yourself. And um, that's, that's the attitude that I've chosen to kind of move forward with is that it's, it's, it's not, just about me, you know, we're, we're all, we're, 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 as, as a collective humanity, we're all in this together. And the more um, connections I can make, the more difference I can make, um, the more that when my journey's done, I will be a hundred percent fulfilled with that journey. Oh, Tony. Wow. You, you're an inspiration, really oh, such an inspiration. You. Um, I want to ask you a question that I don't 
ask everyone, but I feel like it's very relevant for you, given the age mm. of your sons. Yeah. What advice would you give your 16-year-old self? Mm. My, my mom had actually battled with cancer for, um, for about five years before it finally took her. Like she, she had it, then it went into remission, and then she got it again, and then it took her when I was 18. So, so all three are teens. Yeah, pretty much. She kept it more silent because she didn't want to bother me. Um, and, you know, one thing, one thing I do regret is that when, when I found out about it, um, you know, and this, and this is a little embarrassing because, um, I kind of turned away from her in a way at the time because I couldn't be with the, uh, the emotions and the, um, the terminality of her condition. And, um, so I, I, I ended up not wanting to be around her much. It was, it was one of those things, especially as I was graduating high school and she actually died in between my, uh, high school and, and when I went to college and those were supposed to be some of the funnest years of my life. Right. And right just really hard for me to just be with that. And so the advice I would have for, you know, that 16 year old me back then is, is, um, you know, and, and, you know, how it affects young people to find out that their parents have, have something like this is something that I've been really pondering, right? Because there's, it's, it, it's tough. And, I, I don't know if there's ever a right answer of like what you tell your kids or what you don't. It, and it's all personal based on your family situation and how you've, how, you know, how much openness you have with your children and our don't. And I mean, everyone's situation is different. Right. And, right. and I, I will never try to impart um, what I think's right upon anyone because I, I do understand that everyone has to walk their own journey and and feel what's right in their own family but but personally looking back at my situation my advice um to myself would be open yourself up more yeah. right um be allow allow yourself to experience the pain and um you know sometimes as as a young ma man you know we want to um young men in general you know, I, I found I, I also do a lot of um, uh, volunteer work with like young life. So I get to see a lot of like high school boys and how they are. And and um, young life is an organization that, that just, you know, provides a, a kind of a Christian teaching for for young men and, and young women. Um, but I work with the young men side of things. But, you know, I, I just I just see that there's such uh, that especially in, in, in this current climate and, and, and world that we live in. What, what I had to deal with when I was 16 is a lot different than what these young boys have to deal with now. Right. <laughs> 15 years old and all the social media and, and yeah. all that. Right. So it's, it's, it's a little bit different in that, in that aspect. But what I see is that there's not a lot of freedom to be able to express your feelings. There's not a lot of opportunities in, in the world we live in for that 16 year old to really share authentically. That's one reason why I, I jumped into Young Life, and, and I just did this within the last year. I wanted to make a difference there. I wanted to show young men that 
it is okay to be authentic. It is okay to cry. It is okay to um, show your emotions and to be in touch with those. And, um, you know, through that, I think that we can make a difference with that generation, right? Not only yeah. my, my own 16-year-old self was not willing to go there. The future 16-year-olds out there and the 17-year-olds and the 18-year-olds, that they can actually be in touch with that. And when you can surrender that part of you, um, it's, it's that paradox. You think you would have less power, but you actually have more power in your life. Yeah, definitely. Um, have you ever listened? I remember listening to the audiobook um, Wild by Cheryl Strayed. I haven't, but I'll write that one down. Yeah, I, I think you would especially resonate with it because on the surface, mm -hmm. it's about her walking the um, Pacific Northwest Trail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, I know this was quite some time ago in the 90s, I think she did it. Um, but the reason she did it was to try to figure out how she had ruined her marriage. Um, she got married pretty young and mm -hmm. to deal with her mother's death from cancer. She was very close to her mother. Her mother died, uh, I think, about a year or two after she started college. She was 19 or 20 when her mom died. And it just led to a downward spiral with drugs and cheating on her husband. And just, just mm. she became a mess. And, and so she embarked on this venture to really, not because she was a hiker, <laughs> not, not right. to really just get away from everybody and everything and to, to face her grief. So, yeah, so on the surface, it just seems like it's about this, you know, adventure and on this trail right, and, right. and of course all those challenges, but it really is about a woman facing her grief over the loss of her mother. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. I think you would resonate with it. And yeah. it's a very well-written yeah, book. That on my, oh, good. Good. Yeah. I, I love listening to great books. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what is one thing that you wish you had known at the very beginning of your cancer journey, day one? Oh, you know, that is a great question. Um, I guess the one thing I wish I would known was all of the um, different support um, areas that were available during the journey. Um, you know, having having stuff come so fast, um, you're just trying to like deal with the mental space. But I think there's a lot of resources out there that that uh, can help patients. You know, like myself. Yeah. And um, and you know, my my hospital system actually does a does a fairly good job at that. But there's still there's so much noise out there. And it's like, how do you navigate all that noise and have it work for you in, in, in a very constructive way? Because there's a lot of unconstructive ways it can work for you, too. If, if, if you start doing things that, you know, aren't good for your care and, and things like that. So I, I, I'd probably just say kind of that that more um, like educational piece that I know that you guys are 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 really focusing on it at cancer you and, and making a difference in that area. Um, but I would probably say that would be the area that um, would, would, you know, looking back when you, when you have cancer 
first you got to deal with that mental piece, but then there's like, okay, now what, now, how can I be informed and how can I do the right things and, you know, not get bogged down by information overload, but actually be productive. Right. And, and, and and do the right things. So I, that's, that's probably would be my answer on that. Okay. Um, and if you could do only one thing to improve healthcare in the U S and I know you've had a very good experience, but um, what would it be and why? There's a lot of, I think, treatments out there that Mm -hmm. a lot of patients don't know about. Right. Absolutely. You know, and, um, it's, it's how do you get the right treatment? Even if it's, even if it's experimental at the time, um, is there a repository for, I have esophageal cancer. What are the best treatments out there right now for esophageal cancer? Right. Right. Like, you know, I, I went and got a second opinion with the cancer, the Seattle Cancer Care Alliance, you know, and there's one of the top in the nations, right? But, sure. you know, they, they, and they have a, a, a group and a tumor board that they can bring stuff to. And, but, you know, it, it was one of those things where I felt like my care at, at, at Swedish and with Providence was, was after I got that second opinion was sufficient for me, but I know there's still trials out there and it's like, okay, what, what next? I'm not interested in just enduring this thing. I mean, I'm interested in curing this thing. What else is there? You know, I did the Y90. I'm doing, you know, I, I, I've done a couple rounds of radiation. I'm doing my chemo. I'm, you know, three weeks on one week off. What's like the next six months going to look like, right? Right. that maybe can you know cure this thing for me that that's you know had some good um you know results you know it's it's that next step and i i I think really with cancer patients um you know like i said i'm okay with doing this same regimen i'm on for the next 30 years but like let's also continue to look for that that what's next what's the newest most effective treatment out there for each cancer type that, that we can tap into. And it might not be near me, but you know what? If, um, you know, the insurance companies are up for it and, and, and you know, they're, they're willing to treat me out of network, I'm willing to go wherever I need to go to have this be a, a, a cure, not just an enduring moment. Oh, that was so well said. Okay, are you ready for the Thriver Rapid Fire questions? Let's do it. Have a little fun. Okay. All right. right. Beach, desert, or mountains? Mountains. Which makes sense, given where you live. It does. I'm at the foot of the Cascades, so it's it's so beautiful. (laughs) Yesterday, we we do these outdoor movie nights with with my kids where we put a screen up outside. Aww. And all of a sudden, three deer come within 10 feet of us in our backyard. Really? And, oh. Really? And they had no, they had no fear. And they just walked through my backyard. And it was just like, we live in such a beautiful place that <sighs> the animals feel so comfortable that they can just walk through my backyard within 10 feet of us, not be scared. And then about uh, 30 minutes after that, we hear these robins talking to each other in the trees. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> great place right it's just yeah. like you hear the nature and it's like you know i was like get ready the chimpanzees are coming out you know <laughs> you hear the 
you know, we're, we, we live in a wildlife zoo back here, you know, it's just gonna like erupt, you know, but it was, it, it was such a great, like, you know, almost spiritual moment just to have that nature, just like come together with us last night. It was, it was beautiful. I love that you can appreciate it. That's yeah. Yeah, I really do. I, I know it's summer here in the South when you go outside at night and you hear the tree frogs. Yes. Because they are so loud. They're just so loud. And they're, uh, they're loudest at dusk. Yeah. And, and so that's when oh I know. God. And I haven't heard them yet. So we've been having a lot of rains. They haven't, they haven't, <laughs> they haven't made their appearance. Um, they haven't come out yet. Okay. All right. Beach Boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? Beatles. What's the one word that best describes you? Mm. Contribution. Mm. So before you die, what is the last song you want to hear? Rooster by Allison Chains. I love that you knew exactly what it was. That's great. Um, the last meal you want to eat? Tiramisu. Last person you want to see? Mm. Well, I would say my whole family, my, my, my sons and my wife, all of them around. The last words you will speak. Here I come, God. <laughs> and aside from Cancer You, what is one resource that you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers? Yeah, so... Um, one thing that's been instrumental for me is, is uh, Caring Bridge. Oh, yeah. So it's yeah. people who don't know what it is, please explain. Yeah, so it's, it's basically a blog, and um, it's, it's been my best form of therapy, I guess you could say. Um, so, uh, you know, in those who are, are interested can read my, my Caring Bridge. It's just type in Tony Bristol, but it's caringbridge.org, and it's a blog that allows you to really just share yourself. And it's, it was a place where, um, you know, I, I, I never thought of myself as a writer, but um, I've, like, my community's been so awesome, and they've encouraged me so much, and they've, they've really, like, I, I'm, I'm humbled by how they've um, appreciated my, my, my writings, and, and it's just allowed me to express myself in a way I've never been able to express myself. I've never thought of myself as a writer or a good writer or anything like that. Writing sometimes allows, well, it allows me to be able to collect my thoughts in a very, um, at, at the speed that I need to collect my thoughts. And um, that's when I've had some of my best cries too. Well, we're going to put um, a link to that. Um, right. And make sure people can read it. And before we go, is there anything else you would like to add? Mm. No, just, well, just uh, thank you for giving me the platform, you know, to be able to share my story and, and uh, uh, just allow me to be able to be a contribution. Um, because it's only through these opportunities like this, I, I really feel that we can connect as, 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 you know, as the human condition. And um, I don't know what we did before this. It was, it, was, it was very hard to be able to share ourselves, right? And then right. I, before this, I mean, like before really the 2000s, right, um, hit us and, and the ability to socially connect and 
and all of this and the you know what you guys are doing and and you know a lot of the good organizations out there like caring bridge and and are, are doing to really allow people to get their messages out is is just the beauty of it as as i had written previously when i when i met you on linkedin you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm here to contribute and, and and do whatever i can to um you know really make a difference in this world with with, with the time that i have left whether it's uh you know, a month, uh, uh, 10, 10 years, 30 years, whatever that is. Um, you know, I'm here for you all. Thank you so much, Tony. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.